This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. You're listening to episode 187 of the Marathon Ring Podcast. In this episode, we're going to talk about running non-binary. This is the Marathon Running Podcast by Letty and Ryan from We Got The Runs. Join us in our running community for weekly content that is motivational, educational, and inspirational and let the marathon running podcast take you from the starting line to the finish line and beyond hey runners and welcome to episode 187 my name is letty my name is ryan and we are your hosts for this marathon running podcast if you're new welcome and if you're not new welcome back this is take four this is take four that's true yeah we've been messing up a little bit (laughs) So what made you think about today's topic? Well, Ryan, I've actually been thinking about having this topic for years. I just never really had a good guest option. And I feel like this topic, the non-binary topic, is something where you do have to have a good guest because otherwise it's just you and me discussing something that we really don't know much about. Agreed. There's definitely been, seems to be a lot more definition or classification in that regard recently or, you know, since our time. So it would be definitely good to at least educate ourselves into what the differences are. You made us sound really old. You said since our time. I know. I feel old. We are, but we're not that old. No, but it's always good to keep updated. Yeah. So you were saying Boston had a new category that they started when did they start that they actually started it this year so this year 2023 for the very first time there's been a non-binary athlete category added and there were 27 non-binary athletes running the boston marathon so that was a kind of a cool thing and the surprising fun fact is about our guest today who is cal kalamia he actually was the one putting the proposition of adding an extra category to the races to the Boston Marathon. And we'll hear about that in our interview. And I didn't even know that until, you know, in the midst of our interview is when that came up. Oh, interesting. Yeah. To me, that seems like a good solution in my ignorance of the situation. But to have multiple categories doesn't seem to harm anyone. Yeah, I agree. Absolutely. That's pretty cool. So, Letty, who is our guest and how did you meet him? Yeah, so our guest is Cal Kalamia, like I said, and he is a non-binary, transmasculine runner, author, educator, activist. And I met him at TRE, the running event, where he was on a panel. I missed the panel, but I spoke with him after the panel when I just randomly ran into him. I had no idea that he was a transmasculine runner. And 
it came up and it was super interesting. I had some very dumb questions and he was very inviting and open to answering them. So that was super cool because I feel like with this topic for those that don't have close family members or friends going through it, it's really tough, right? Because we're just kind of guessing and talking about something that we have no idea about. So after I spoke with him, he was open to coming on and being a guest on the podcast. And here we are. So Lenny, it actually has been in the news a lot recently with different athletes at schools or other places. And, you know, kind of, I think we're in a position now of where they're trying to figure out how to navigate all the differences. And so it is an interesting, it'd be interesting to hear from his perspective, you know, those types of issues and topics. Exactly. And I guess my hope for this podcast episode is for other runners like us that are ignorant. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I just mean ignorant because we don't know um, to kind of open our minds and hear about it, learn about it. So then that way we can really make running this inclusive sport that we always claim it is, right? Because we're always like, oh, running is so inclusive. I've called running kind of almost something like a religion, right? Because you can move somewhere else and it's kind of like a church. You move to a new city, you find your run club and that's what you do. And the running community watches out for one another. And so along those lines, if we really want running to be that inclusive, then we have to talk about subjects that we maybe don't know very much about and start opening our minds. You know, the more you information you know, you can form a more well-educated you know, stance or idea about everything. I mean, honestly, like if you think about the origins of the United States, we were leaving another other countries in order to be free and to do what we want. And so, you know, in a way, like I kind of feel in my opinion that just that people, as long as they don't harm others, like should be able to do what they want if it makes them happy. Like if it doesn't affect me or it doesn't hurt people, like I, I in most cases, I just feel like they should be free to do it. I mean, that's kind of the founding or the foundation of the United States in general. And we were in Europe and under like the rule of a queen and people didn't like that. They wanted to go somewhere else where they could be free. Yeah, so here we are. And it's exactly what you and I always talk about. Nobody gets hurt if there's a, you know, couple that's a man and a man living next to us getting married. It doesn't affect us in any kind of way. So I don't understand what the problem is with it. Yeah, I mean, people definitely have strong opinions, and I'm sure people will have strong opinions about even this podcast, but that doesn't, you know, everyone's t entitled to their own opinions too, which is good. Yeah, but in this podcast, we love inclusiveness, and we love running, and so with that, hopefully everybody open your minds, open your hearts, and without any further ado, we're now going to play our conversation with Cal Kalamia. All right, I'm on here with Cal Kalamia. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yes, and I'm super stoked to have you as well. So let's hop right into this topic. We've been pre-talking and I in advance told you, I'm sorry if I'm asking questions that are maybe a little bit coming, sounding ignorant. It comes from a good place so we can help everyone in the sport of running progress. Mm -hmm. So with that said, maybe you can give us a general overview of the LGBTQ community for those people not familiar 
and um, maybe highlight some key aspects and interesting details for those that are less informed and maybe give us some definitions of things. So then when we talk later on, we can know what we're talking about. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay, I love this question. Well, obviously, LGBTQ+, plus it's a huge group of people. Um, many of us within the community would use the word queer to describe ourselves, um, but some people don't identify with that word. But basically, it is folks that have sexual attraction or romantic attraction that is outside of heteronormativity. So instead of uh, man and a woman being together maybe it is a man who's interested in men and women or just interested in men right so it has to do with the relationships and how we relate to other people but it also sometimes has to do with the self um this is the gender piece where um folks in the lgbtq plus community that also encompasses folks that are transgender um and or non-binary and i identify with both of those words so for me, um, I was assigned female at birth and then realized in my life that that didn't feel like it fit me well. So I underwent a gender transition and that is what transness is to me, um, changing what you were sort of told to be at birth in terms of your gender into something that feels like it actually suits you better. And some folks who are trans identify also with the word non-binary and what non-binary is is basically a little bit of a and maybe not quite fitting in fully to being a man or being a woman um it could include having aspects of both that are important to you um but it also just may mean that those those terms don't really feel like they fully encapsulate who you are um, so for me, both of those things are true. I'm trans and non-binary. And for me, um, going through a gender transition and changing from having this whole life that was, you know, like the life of like a little girl and then a young woman. And now I am often perceived as a man, but I also have all of this experience navigating both of those things. So I'm not, I don't feel like I am just like, you know, that guy over there because I have all this other experience too. And so for me, that's where a lot of the non-binary piece comes in is feeling like neither man nor woman as a term can fully contain who I am. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you wanna tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Okay, that's great. Thank you so much for, uh, yeah, letting us know about that. That's uh, that's good. 
Um, okay. So then, Cal, for you personally, I'm going to ask you, when did you decide that you wanted to change? Yeah, I think it's complicated because for much of my younger life, I think something felt a little bit different, but I had I had never heard of the word trans. I had never met a trans person. I had never really, or that I know of, right? Um, it wasn't something that was discussed. And so I sort of felt like, well, this is a bummer. I have to be a girl. I don't want to, but oh well. Um, and it wasn't until later in my life when I moved to California, actually, that I was able to see other trans people and meet other trans people. And immediately I felt this huge weight lifted off my shoulders. Like that is what I am. And it is possible for me to change. And I, that is sort of what inspired me to start transitioning, which was, I was, you know, 22 years old or so. Um, and it's, that's a huge sort of part of why I think having these types of conversations and having visibility for trans folks is so important because without it, we sometimes spend much of our lives confused and frustrated, not understanding who we are. But when we see ourselves reflected in others, we might think, oh, okay, there's nothing wrong with me actually. And there's a life out there for me that I can live and be proud of and be happy in. Okay, so we okay, so you were in your 20s when you started transitioning. What are your thoughts on younger kids doing that pre-puberty because I know that at some point um it's helpful to start a transition early, but then I know at the same time puberty can be very confusing for a lot of us. Mhm, mm mhm. Mm yeah, definitely. Um I well, I would love to ask you this question. Um before I answer this. And the question is, when you have you at any point in your life felt like I am a boy? Um, yes, I have an older brother. So when I was a kid, I didn't want to do ballet. I wanted to play soccer. Anything he did, I did too. Right. And then I was a yeah. late bloomer too. Um, I didn't think I didn't spend a lot of time thinking about it. I just kind of, you know, lived life. And then eventually then, you know, to me, that happened a little bit later in life. And I think that's why that question is so in my head, too. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's very interesting. And I, I really resonate with a lot of what you said around like when you're younger, when we're like younger, we don't there is a little bit more freedom, like dress how you want maybe. And like, you know, just go play with your friends and like before puberty. Right. And then when puberty happens, it's like, we're sort of like funneled into this, like, okay, well now that you are maturing in this way and it's middle school and high school, you better start acting more like, you know, what you're supposed to be. And I feel like that happened to me too. And I had to like, for me, it was like, I went through all that and I was like, oh, this is weird. And then it, it was that point when I felt super unsettled and was kind of like, okay, wait, no. Um, but yeah, this is a really good point. I think like a lot of times people are worried about young people and young people transitioning. And the fact is that um, young people can't undergo medical transition when they're children. No, there's no, that's not even legal. Um but what might happen is someone uh, at the age of like 10 might say that they, 
you know, I'm a girl or I'm a boy, whatever, you know, they are identifying as a different gender that they were assigned. And then um, their parents and a team of like a medical team might together and the child might together make a decision about um, starting puberty blockers or something like that, which is totally harmless. And even kids that aren't trans do that for a number of other medical reasons. Um, but there's no, there aren't surgical operations nor hormonal um, prescriptions given to young children. Um, so I think that's important, but I also think that for me, my belief is if a kid comes to you and says, I'm a boy, then just say, okay, you don't have to change anything. You don't have to do anything. Let, let your kid pick their clothes. Um, if they want to try a different name, just let them. What what harm is there, right? Um, there's really not harm. I don't think that um, most children are doing that. I think that if there's something there, that there is a kernel of truth there that's worth exploring. And even if in, you know, three weeks or three years, the kid says, eh, never mind. Okay, great. But what is so essential is just telling kids that we believe them about who they are because if you look at suicide rates for lgbtq plus youth particularly for trans youth they are really really high and the number one mitigating factor is one supportive adult that says i see you and i believe you so it's really the difference between life and death for young people and there's really not that much to lose Exactly. your kid, right? Yeah. yeah, no, exactly. And I think that's why it's so important that we have this conversation that reaches people that are outside of your normal circle, because there is a bunch of us ignorant about it. And if we can just help one teenager, then right. that's definitely worth it. So I love this. And uh, right. yeah, so let's talk about running a little bit. Have you always been running in your life? Yes, I started running um, when I was in middle school. I was already playing soccer and I was, I loved soccer and I loved running and they never took me out of the game. And then I realized that running was its own sport and I was like, sign me up. <laughs> um, yeah, and then I ran through high school, I ran in college. And then um, once I graduated, I started sort of grappling with some questions around gender and then I took a little bit, I stepped away from running for a little bit, and then I found my way back to it once I sort of began my transition. So when you began your transition, how many years ago was that? And then how open was the sport of running at that point to having a non-binary category? Great question. Um, my transition began about four and a half years ago. I was in, it was 2019, and... The sport was not, there was nothing, there, there weren't really many conversations at all, at least in my awareness about trans people or non-binary people participating in running. And that was a serious problem. And especially if you compete in marathons at a high level, you understand that when you are applying for a guaranteed entry for XYZ race, then you're using a previous race's time and gender to qualify for the new race under a specific time and gender. So for me, what it looked like was I had qualified for certain races, including Boston, in the female division before I started transitioning. And I wanted to run Boston. 
but I had just begun taking testosterone and I didn't very early, right? Weeks in, and there were no real physical changes at that point, but I, I, my only choice was to register for Boston under female because I hadn't met the men's qualifying standard yet because I had, I was effectively in a female body. Um, so it was just a very complicated process of like, I don't, I didn't want to take up space in female divisions. Um, but I also didn't fully identify with manhood and nor could I at the time, um, have just made a smooth transition from one division to the next. Um, and then the pandemic shut everything down and all races were deferred. And, um, just as things were opening back up again, I was playing soccer and I tore my ACL, which was sort of a blessing in disguise. Cause at the time I was registered to run the 2020 Boston marathon in the women's division, which would have been really awkward. <laughs> so, um, because at that point you had in, already transitioned a little bit more. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, and so at that time, I just, you know, I couldn't move, I couldn't run. And I went to the drawing board and started these conversations with a bunch of races saying, look, here's my situation. There are other people in the same situation as me. Can you help us? Like, can we, we want to run in your race. Where can we go? Um, and a lot of people were really receptive and responsive to adding a non-binary division and many other people were like absolutely not um a huge reason why people said no was because they were aligning themselves with the boston marathon and they were saying things like well if you run in this division there's no way for you to qualify for these bigger other races which don't acknowledge the division and so i just shot for the moon and reached out to Boston and said, look, people are sort of using this as an excuse. Can you, can we have a conversation about this? And the Susie Cleary of the Boston Athletic Association responded and said, yeah, let's do it. And we started working together on rolling out the division. And then in 2022, it was the Boston Marathon's first ever non-binary division, which was amazing. And then people could stop using that as an excuse for their own races. I love this. I had absolutely no idea that you were behind all that. So maybe you can tell me a little bit more about that. You reached out and someone emailed back. And then from there, what do you have to go to go to DC? Like how, how did all these uh, <laughs> steps happen for this to come true? Um, yeah, we, we didn't, I didn't fly anywhere. We had a lot of zoom calls um, and we just talked through some of the logistical challenges together, but also I think Boston was really smart and being really intentional about the way that they roll out the category, because I think sometimes races are like, oh no, we have to add it, but then they don't necessarily have the support or they don't have the critical conversations they need to do it in a way that's fair and that's done well. Um, so I appreciated how Boston was really intentional about rolling out the division. Um, we just, yeah, we just had a lot of back and forth, a lot of conversations, a lot of advice, a lot of questions. Um, and we worked together and we did it and it was really amazing. I think like I had thought maybe in five years that Boston would be willing to entertain that conversation, but they were ready. And so that was just fantastic. 
That's awesome. That's a huge shout out to Boston. That's amazing. Um, a couple of little follow-up questions in regards to that, because obviously you hear people that talk negatively about the qualifying standard time saying, okay, now they're keeping the ones from women. Um, what went into that conversation? Because obviously, and maybe explain this to us too, in order to transition for you, you had to take testosterone, but then for the assigned gender men to go to women, what what happens there and how does that all in play into having, you know, finding a qualifying standard time? Yes, this is a great point. Um, and yeah, so for trans feminine folks, which is the opposite of me, people who transition to female, um, those folks actually go through something really, really, really challenging. And I feel like often in in sports about trans or conversations about trans athletes in sports, um, they take the, the biggest heat. People are most frustrated or think it's most unfair for them. And when people are trans feminine, they go from having in some ways, maybe athletic superiority as it's been coined in some ways, in some senses, um, they begin transitioning and they begin taking um, estrogen or progesterone, um, these female hormones, and they drastically lose their strength and their fitness. And it, it does not make sense for those people to be competing in men's divisions for any reason. It's not fair. Um, it's it's humiliating. Right. There are many reasons why that does not make any sense. Um, and so. So. In the non-binary division, we have sort of a conglomeration. We have a lot of different people with a lot of different hormone profiles and a lot of different experiences and identities. And some folks also don't transition, right? Like, um, or they don't medically transition. So I could have, when I thought, you know, I don't, I don't align with my gender, I could have said, I'm going to cut my hair, I'm going to change my name, but I don't, I'm not interested in taking testosterone. So you are accounting for people that also may have assigned female at birth bodies and um, athletic capacities, so to speak, that are still going to want to participate in the non-binary division. Um, and to make it fair for those people, that is often why the standards in the non-binary division match the standards in the women's division. Um, so it's complicated. Um, it's It's nuanced, but it's really to not necessarily give a preference for athletes that are taking hormones versus athletes that may not be taking hormones. Um, and it's not perfect. The system's not perfect, but we're just accounting for a lot of diversity that other categories don't necessarily see to this extent. No, I mean, I think it makes complete sense because even for the one person who continues in their assigned body to be able to participate. Mm -hmm. That's great. And so now I guess my follow-up question is within the non-binary athletes, is there any talk about how things could be done better for people taking hormones versus not taking hormones versus staying at their assigned gender, et cetera? That's a great question. Um, there isn't a ton of talk about this. And I think the reason why in my experience is that we are still having pretty basic conversations about what the division is what the identity is um, and what we want more than anything is for people to say i okay that makes sense we should have this division right that's where we're trying to get people 
So as soon as we start talking about the ins and outs and the nuances and the complications, we might have people that say, ah, this category isn't really a good solution. And then we lose the momentum of just having this identity acknowledged at large. Um, so that is what is a little bit tricky. There are certainly, you know, for me, I think I want, um, you know, trans, trans, trans folks that do medically transition um, with hormones are more likely to be scrutinized and pushed out of sports in a lot of ways. And so one of my missions is to try to get more folks that are transitioning into these divisions um, because I think we are the people that are most likely to be excluded in general. And um, and I, I feel it just breaks my heart because I love running so much and I love movement so much. And I think it's so healing. It's so good for not only our physical health, but our mental health. And when you have a whole demographic of people, trans athletes, right, that are are constantly under a microscope, constantly told that we don't belong in the space, it makes it so we can't access the healing power of movement and of sport. And it's just not fair. So I think I want to, I'm trying to get those people that feel most targeted and most excluded to feel like um, that they do have a place in sports, that you can be trans and still be an athlete. And that if you're an athlete, it's okay to transition, right? Like to not have trans athlete be such an oxymoron. Yes, yes, absolutely. And I'm I'm loving that we're, you know, getting educated on this right now in this very podcast. So um once Boston <laughs> I know, right? So once Boston happened, tell me what happened. Uh with, was there a domino effect? So from other organized races? And then also what about from the community? Has the community be, been good at responding to implementing this new category? Great question. Yeah. Um, yes, I think in general, there Boston people do look to Boston for um, guidance on how to proceed in their other maybe smaller races. New York City has done a pretty good job, too. They've had a division for three years. Um, there are still some inequities within that, but um, that's neither here nor there. It's for a later podcast. Uh, but Yes, there have been many other races that have adopted the category. I think the only, I know actually the only world marathon major that does not have it at this point is Tokyo. And I've been trying to get in contact with them, but they're they're on a whole nother plane. So um, that that's challenging. But I think the importance too of having all of these other races be like, let's add the division, let's add the division is that it's not only moving inclusivity in the running world forward, but it's actually opening up very serious critical conversations in the world at large about the fact that trans and non-binary people do exist um, because people see this even if they aren't runners, right? They'll see the headline about the new division. And even if people are frustrated or confused, they're for the first time being forced to reconcile that there's more than man and woman in the world in the, in the traditional sense that we understand it. Um, so did was that your question just like what's been the effect sort of yeah the effect on other races and then also the running community because obviously oh, as no, you just no. stated you know people are hearing about it and then the response and you and I were talking prior to recording the podcast a little bit about the blind leading the blind right if we've never experienced something or walked in someone's shoes then we don't really know 
what is going on except for what our neighbor tells us who has nothing to do with it either. So in that in that sense, um, it's it's kind of good to hear from you how you felt everything is working and then um how the running community responded. Yeah, yeah. I think I think in large part people have been responsive and they've been excited and they've been happy. And I think there are certainly folks that are not happy that think that this is an abomination, right? And if you look at history, this is this happens all the time, right? People are afraid of something that's new, afraid of something that they don't understand. But what always prevails is love and inclusion. So we're going to see that happen again. It's just about us making a decision about which side of this story we want to be on. Um, and I think like it's so important even for people that might be listening right now to think about if I go and run in the New York City Marathon in a non-binary division, that probably won't affect you at all. It probably won't even touch you. It probably won't affect anything about your day, your race, your life, right? So who cares? <laughs> like It doesn't matter, right? Um, and I think I just encourage people to like also think about how challenging it actually is to change your whole life and change your whole identity and become a version of yourself that that you weren't told to be, but also to then navigate the world that tells you that you aren't here, that you shouldn't be here, right? It's a lot. So just like have some grace for trans and non-binary people. We're not just here to like stir the pot we're here to be ourselves and to hopefully make other people make space for other people to also be themselves even if they don't identify in the same exact way so i just always think about that piece right like no one is no one is giving anything up no one is told that they can't run because we're running right so who cares running is all about support and inclusivity and um like uplifting each other and celebrating each other so we should just keep doing that exactly and you know that's another reminder that obviously as humans we want to make the easy choice right so it's not like you're making this quote-unquote choice to make your life harder and go through all these hardships when in reality you could just go without it so maybe just to remind people a little bit, maybe you can tell us a little bit about your journey and some stuff that you've encountered that has not been pretty. Um, so then that way we can kind of go towards mm -hmm. the conclusion of we can all be better people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think some of the most um, the most prevalent are just people saying, like, you will always be a girl no matter what you do. And... I I just don't agree <laughs> with that at all. And I think it's so weird sort of to like impose that when like, how? but I think it also, I think I have a lot of compassion even for people that are transphobic in this way because I just think like there's something so dysregulating for some folks about something that they cannot comprehend. Um, and it it sounds so limiting. It sounds so limiting to be so stuck in there's only there are only two things and you are one or the other. That sounds very confining. And I just I don't I don't operate in that way. And um the systems that 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 I guess 
the causes for people to say you will only ever be this one thing. Um, it's just like, it's just really like the patriarchy at large and the way that we are taught to understand our role in society. If you're a man, you behave like this. If you're a woman, you behave like that. And trans people say, well, what does that leave for me then? And that I think complicates some of these power dynamics that, that affect us and harm us all really. So my liberation and me being myself should make more space for other people to also be themselves. So I, it's painful to hear sometimes, but I don't personally believe it or subscribe to it. So it's, I can move past it. Um, and I think a lot, I, I think mostly other people's struggles and insecurities show up in these conversations. So I think as I always push myself to do in those moments when we are feeling so frustrated or confused or angry or just like pissed off, right? I think it could be useful for all of us to sit with that a little bit longer and find out what's really underneath that feeling because maybe it's not about me and other trans people. Maybe it's something inside that we should spend time with exploring and healing on our own so that we don't have to carry all this anger and hate. I love it. It's so true. Hopefully we can learn from this conversation and open our hearts and follow Cal on Instagram and watch the amazingness of the journey. Um, yeah. Thank you so much for speaking with me and, uh, you know, taking all my ignorant questions and giving me grace <laughs> by answering them. <laughs> Your questions were honestly fantastic. There was not a single moment that I, I thought could be better. So you're great. It has been a pleasure talking to you, Letty. Thank you. Thank you. So thanks, Cal, for coming on and speaking with us and giving us information that we can now process and understand better. Hopefully this will help the running community being open-minded and understand. I agree. And I really admire the courage of someone that wants to speak about and come forward in such a difficult way. It's, for me, it would be very difficult to be vocal and helpful to others in that scenario. And I think it's great for those people that, you know, would otherwise maybe feel isolated to be included in, you know, in a group or know that they're not alone. I think that's awesome. Yeah, I love it. So if you guys want to follow Cal or see him on Instagram, he is as Cal Calamia. Um, obviously I'm going to link his website in our show notes and all that other stuff. Um, he was quite lovely. And Cal, I hope that I get to see you again, uh, watching the Olympic trials, or if not, then I will see you in Boston. Stay tuned for next week because next week we have another podcast episode. <laughs> Just like last week. <laughs> yeah, next week we're going to um, give you the Christmas present, which is, you know, obviously I'm just saying that because the episode comes out on December 25th, Christmas, and it will be Nutrition with Megan Featherstone, who is a nutritionist that'll answer our nutrition questions. And what better timing than doing that right before the new year, because that way you can kind of clean up your act. I always do that um, towards the end of the year. What about you, Ryan? Do you clean up your act? Do you have New Year's resolutions? I'm not a really good New Year's resolution person. I do try to improve myself throughout the year all the time, but I don't know. I have this thing, you know, that like mentally that you should always be trying to improve. So to me to like do it only at one point of the year is like, 
kind of like being fake. Like you just do it throughout the whole year, not just make it at the beginning of the year only. So I am not a good person for New Year's resolutions. Well, I am. And <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> you just ruined it for everyone. Buzzkill. <laughs> <laughs> totally. I'm, I'm going to make my resolutions. I'm probably going to have a little resolution video um, on Instagram where I talk about my goals, but my goals are probably just the same as every year, run more marathons and have more fun in life. <laughs> um, but I feel like we're doing a great job. I feel like life is awesome. Um, every year with this podcast keeps getting better. Maybe we'll make a list of New Year's resolutions for the podcast because a lot of stuff has been happening. We've been growing and, you know, thanks to you listeners and it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, I can get behind that. All right. So with that, have a good week of running. Thanks for tuning in. For more information and marathon running news, please head to www.marathonrunningpodcast.com and we'll be back next week.